everyone to another episode of the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. I'm J.R. Judy, joined by the newest member of the Dungeon of Doom, Wade Skaggs. Wade, hopefully your paperwork's all filled out. You're ready for war. I filled out all the paperwork, and not only that, I got a great welcoming party from the Taskmaster and Shark. Uh, they were the only ones who showed up, but uh, that's fine. I didn't want to see Zodiac anyway. You didn't want to see Kamala or Ming? Nah. Just wait until you get to see the other members of the Dungeon of Doom we're going to get in, like, 1996. Oh, yeah, plus we get a new manager. We do get a new manager soon. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. We're glad you're here, either audio form on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or on YouTube in video form. This is the time. We're ready for war. It's our first pay-per-view officially of the Monday Night War this week. It's Fall Brawl 1995, Wade. Oh, my gosh. I was so psyched for this, bro. Let, let me tell you, I uh, the card for this was amazing. Overall, the show was awesome. Let's get right into it, baby. Yeah, this week we're going to cover Fall Brawl 1995, The War Games, also WCW Monday Nitro from September the 18th, 1995. And wait, it only took us three episodes. Here's our first big uh-oh boo-boo of the podcast. We thought Raw was going to be head-to-head. There was no indication that it wasn't head-to-head. Mm-hmm. But it's a special Thursday Night Raw, September the 21st, 1995. That's Thanks right. for the heads up, WWF. Yeah, and I, I literally looked. I have no idea like if this was preempted or, or what happened. Or it was just on Thursday, and yeah, no I one imagine, said anything. Yeah, I imagine it was preempted, like be, like you know, the few weeks before by the U.S. Open or whatever it was. It had like, to be something like that, I guess. Uh, like I kind of think it's like the Westminster Dog Show, but like I don't remember oh. if like I don't know if that was the actual reason. Like they normally would say like, "Hey, the dog show is preempting us." So mm-hmm. yeah. Nonetheless, uh, we're gonna cover Fall Brawl, Nitro, and Raw. And the good thing is, Eric Bischoff won't spoil Raw for us this week. That freaking jerk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you're ready, let's not waste any time. Let's kick it off. Fall Brawl, 1995. We're from the Asheville Civic Center, Asheville, North Carolina. 6,600 fans. Uh, it does Horseman 120. Country, baby. Does 120 pay-per-view buys. It's down for Bash of the Beach with 210,000. Uh, we got commentators. It's Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain. It's our first time really seeing Tony since the Clash of the Champions. So, yep. oh, I love Tony. I love Tony. He's great. He's underrated. Um, yeah, for sure. Now he he did he brings a different style, like a more serious style to the pay-per-view. So like Bischoff yeah. is super. We're live, we're loud, we're hot, we're fire. Mm-hmm. And like I think the serious tone really helps this pay-per-view kind of throughout. Yeah, for sure. So we open up the show. It's the, uh, the, the opening package really hypes up the importance of the double main event, the War Games cage match with the Dungeon of Doom against the Hulkamaniacs, and then Ric Flair against Arn Anderson, the big dream match. And immediately after this intro, we cut to the commentators, and they're talking about what happened on the main event. This is the second show, like, big show we've covered, where big things are happening on the main event. Which I love because I love when pre-shows mattered. And you oh, yeah. had to watch the pre-shows. For sure. So, they're talking about how on the pre-show, and we'll see it a little bit later, the giant ran over Hulk Hogan's Harley Davidson with a monster truck. That's right. Like, the Harley what? that was given to him by the fans. But, like, imagine you turn on the show, you didn't see the main event. That's the yeah. first thing you hear. The giant's driving a freaking monster truck around Asheville. Mm-hmm. Like, What? <laughs> the, the, my favorite part is Bobby Heaton gets really serious and goes, you know, the giant The giant said he's sorry. He's sorry Hulk Hogan wasn't riding the bike when he ran it over. I was like, dang, attempted murder five minutes into war games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we kick it off. It is a number one contenders match for the WCW United States Heavyweight title. It's Johnny B. Bad and Flying Brian. They go 29 minutes and 14 seconds. Man. And it, so, the match is originally scheduled for a 20-minute time limit. And they go the distance. Johnny B. Bad, Brian Pillman go the time limit draw. Nick Patrick, the most important and powerful referee, he reversed the Sabu decision last week. And now, mm-hmm. he comes to Michael Buffer and says, nah, screw that. We're going sudden death. And they go an additional 9-14 in the sudden death. Johnny B. Bad. So, at the end of the match, they both go for a crossbody, and they collide into each other. Johnny mm-hmm. B. Bad lands on top, gets the pinfall. Johnny B. Bad's the number one contender for the U.S. title. What a freaking match. What a match. Honestly, he didn't really fall on top, because I remember him, like, crawling over and pinning him, for sure. Like, I thought that was supposed to be what happened, but... uh the execution, maybe, if that was the plan, I don't know. Either way, you're absolutely right. 100% an amazing match. 
you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, and you told me, because you'd seen it before, how great it was, and I just absolutely agree. Uh, I thought it was weird how, uh, you know, as you said, it's a 20-minute time limit, right? So you get to the 20-minute time limit, and it's a draw. So then on the commentary, they say, well, how can it be a draw? It's a, it's a number one contenders match. The winner of this is going to take on the, the United States champion, which is Sting. So the match, and I'm sitting here like, hmm, if that's the case, why did you put a time limit on it in the first place? They said, they made a point of saying, there has to be a winner. So why is there a 20 minute time limit on it in the first place, bro? You know, but I get how it kind of adds to the excitement, like people are chanting five more minutes, well they would today at least. And then, you know, so they add more time and adds to the drama of it. I get that. But, like, if you know there has to be a winner, why you put a time limit on it in the first place is what I'm thinking. I like how this... I liked how this match told a couple different stories. Johnny B. Mm-hmm. Bad was really, he was the really popular baby face in this match. Brian Pillman kind of got the de facto heel, and, the, and he kind of he kind of edged into that. And, mm-hmm. and they bring it up on commentary. He's kind of showing a more serious side of himself. Yeah. Um, the, the, one, the one thing I did like is Johnny B. Bad gets a cut under his eye, and like rather than looking annoyed, he like even as like a, like a happy-go-lucky baby face, like he... Looked like he was pissed. Like, he had the reaction anybody would have. They got mm-hmm. punched in the eye and started bleeding. Um, we could go through this match blow by blow. It's just, it's, they hit every big move they've got in the arsenal. Mm-hmm. Like, Johnny V. Bad's hitting the tutti fruit of the big left hand. You get the the bad move, the over-the-top senton. Brian Pillman's hitting the big power, like a power bomb and a big DDT, his big tornado DDT. They hit everything. Brian and, also hit a tombstone pile driver. Yeah, and like, they built it. They escalated it. Where the first like ten minutes were very tentative, and then they cranked mm-hmm. it up. Oh yeah. So, yeah, so that's I what I like. They started with these like technical sequences. You know the thing where you go through all these moves, and then you you kind of like, got the stalemate. They did that a couple times, you know, which was really good. And then it really got more personal and more brawly. Yeah, they, they they really built to these guys are these guys were friends and mm-hmm. they waited to see who would throw the first punch. Pillman threw that first punch and kind of took over that role of the more aggressive of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, nonetheless, Johnny V. Bad is the number one contender. He will face the United States champion on September the thirtieth on Saturday night. Um, I bring this up because this is the one time I'm going to break the rule, and we're going to cover Saturday night when we get there. Just that match. For two reasons. Uh, obviously, it's, it's an important championship match we're building to. And there is a promo after this match, which makes me chuckle every time I see it. And if mm-hmm. we don't talk about it, it will be a disservice to everybody. Or at least to me. Um, so after the match, we go to the broadcast table. They're kind of running on the rest of the card for Fall Brawl. Bobby Heenan's yelling at a kid off the, off camera, just going, hey, same to you, kid. And Tony's like, what are you talking about? Uh, speaking of this, Bobby the Brain Heenan and kids, he's on the like the crowd all night. There's a kid in the first mm-hmm. match who has a Bobby the Brain Heenan for president sign. And Tony goes, did you give that kid the sign? And Bobby goes, no, those were his crayons. I was like, Great. I love Bobby so much, man. Uh, we cut to me, Gene Okerlund, with the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. And this is a really good promo. Ric Flair is talking mm-hmm. about how 15 years of friendship, uh, they, they they are more than best friends. They're almost brothers. And now they're in horseman country. And for the first time, they walk into the Asheville Civic Center, not side by side. They're coming out of mm-hmm. opposite sides of the building. Uh, and he says, look, I love you, Arn, but tonight you're, you get a chance to face greatness. And just like, what a great promo. Mm, absolutely phenomenal. Really build up the hype for the match. I was hyped, man. Let me tell you, I was hyped going into this match, bro. Well, lower your hype because our next match is Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman against Cobra. Uh, let's run down the backstory. And in doing this, we're going to talk longer than the match actually was. Uh, mm. The backstory built over WCW Saturday Night and Worldwide, Craig Pittman was Cobra's commanding officer. He abandoned Cobra in the jungle. And then reported him AWOL. Cobra lost all of his rank and respect. So what do you do in that situation? You become a pro wrestler, you go to WCW, and you look for revenge. Yep. Of course. Uh, What else would you do? Cobra has almost as bad of a theme as Isaac Yankum. I don't know if that's a... (laughs) High He's got the cross, just friend. the board, the Morse code. Uh, the I don't know if you know, it's just the, the the cadet that comes down to ringside is future world television champion Prince Iakea. Really? So fun fact. Oh wow. Um, 
as you can tell, I'm trying to fill time for this because the match is literally Craig Pittman repels from the rafters, which is a super cool baby face thing. So and cool. I, and I think he's the heel. Mm. Uh, Pittman avoids a diving attack, puts the code red armbar submission on, and gets the win in a minute 22. Yeah, Why was this on pay-per-view? Match. I don't know, man. And I, there's gonna... Purely for the for him repelling down, because that was the coolest thing, dude. But he's the heel. Like, I, I, I thought he was, I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, th- there's going to be a rematch on Saturday night. We're not going to cover that rematch. Uh, but we will cover more Cobra. Wink, wink. He, he plays a factor later. Uh, after the match, I'm going to let you cut, talk about this one. Uh, it's Mr. Wonderful. After a, losing a match on Worldwide to Randy Savage, we're in Mr. Wonderful's locker room. And uh, Mr. Wonderful's kind of going crazy, wondering if he still is Mr. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's losing it, man. He's, he's absolutely losing it. He's like, oh, who am I? He's looking at himself in the mirror and everything. So, you know, after the match with Macho Man where he loses and everything, he's freaking out. So a guy comes in, a weird-looking dude, okay? His name is Gary Spivey. Who is this guy, okay? I had to uh, Google it. I pulled out my phone and I Googled it. This dude is a real psychic. If you're listening to this on podcast, I'm doing air quotes, okay? He's a psychic. Basically, he's acting like a like a guru, like a motivational speaker, basically. He's like, man, you're... You're Mr. Wonderful. You're Mr. Wonderful. And Mr. Wonderful, uh, JR, very receptive to this message. So, yeah, Gary Spivey of the Psychic Companion Network um, comes in and kind of just almost reinforces Paul Orndorff that he is Mr. Wonderful. Gary Spivey is spoiling the new theme of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff that debuts tomorrow night on Nitro. Uh, it's a great theme. You should listen to it. It's phenomenal. Eric Bischoff very much disagrees, but we'll get well, to that. Eric Bischoff can suck it on that. That song is great. Uh, the one thing I noted of all this, not only is it a giant time killer, like, not that I want this time mm. to go anywhere, like, because, like, if you cut this, the, the time might go to Cobra and Pittman, which I don't want. Yeah. But, like, Mr. Wonderful's acting is terrible. It is atrocious. Uh, anyway, we go from well, hold that. On a minute there. Oh, okay. You, f- you forgot the best part of the entire segment. At the end of the segment, my man goes up to the mirror, kisses himself in the mirror. Yeah, he, I, I was gonna slide right by him making out with himself in the mirror, but we're, we're oh no, there. oh no, 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 we're not sliding <laughs> past something like that, bro. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Well, we after talk about that. After Mr. Wonderful kisses himself in the mirror, the Motors Rev, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, the Diamond yes, Doll, and Max Muscle come out. It's the World Television title matchup. Diamond Dallas Page defeats the Renegade at 8.07 to become the new World Television Champion. I like the finish of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, the Renegade dives out of the, on the floor, takes out Max Muscle. He tries to get back into the ring. Jimmy Hart's on the apron, so the referee gets his back turned. Max Muscle grabs the leg of the Renegade as he comes back in the ring. Diamond Cutter, and we have a new World Television Champion. It, the match was better than I thought it was going to be. True. I, uh, uh, I don't disagree. I think one of, the, one of the things that flies under the radar here, DDP just has the greatest, like... I don't even know how to say it. It's the little things, JR. You know, like, at the beginning of the match, DDP comes in and he headbutts the Renegade. But Renegade's head is so hard that he himself gets hurt, so much so that he stumbles back and falls out of the ring. I hang on, love hang on, that move. Hang on. Dude. He didn't just stumble out of the ring. He stumbled out of the ring and then stumbles into the ring post and then stumbles into the front row, which yep. clearly tells me two things. We always t- hear the rumor that a, a Samoan Savage's head is the hardest thing in wrestling. Well, if, like, Ming and all of them are right here, Renegade's, like, right here. Oh, for sure. Also, why didn't the Renegade just use a headbutt as his finisher? Like, that no thing idea. is a, like, yeah, it's a it's murder a headbutt. Yeah. But the other thing I, I liked about the way DDP was in this matchup, just like you said the little things, Renegade has a basic side headlock on. And DDP is trying to escape by, like, climbing over the top rope. He is doing anything to get out. It's the little things, which are great. Also, Renegade, out of nowhere in this match, pulls out a handspring backsplash in the corner. And I'm just like, wait, what? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> aren't, aren't you supposed to be the warrior? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, and that's another funny thing that they said during the match. You know, as the match was going on, they go on and on about, this is the longest Renegade's ever been in a match in the ring, brother. You know what I mean? So he's got to be tired out and everything, and so I guess they're right. Well, the uh, the Renegade, no longer the World Television Champion. We will see uh, what happens next to the Renegade. His story has a little bit more arc to it. Uh, but nonetheless, the $13 million man, Diamond Dallas Page, the new World Television Champion. We cut to the commentary table, and they discuss Sherry and Colonel Parker's romance. And uh, Bobby Heenan goes on and on about what their kids are going to look like. And to the point where Tony Schiavone is cracking up on commentary. Bro, uh, at the first point, I'm going to have to go look for a screenshot. I wish we could screenshot on Peacock. Just, you know, at the first point where Bobby says, won't they have beautiful kids together? And it shows Tony's face. And he is just speechless. It was like the funniest reaction shot I've ever seen, like from Tony. It was hilarious. We... And from that, we go to the World Tag Team title match. Harlem Heat against Buckhounds Buck and Dirty Dick Slater with Colonel Wild Parker. This is the sure. matchup. Harlem Heat earned the title shot in the five-man and a lady matchup. Uh, a couple with a things flying lip lock. With a flag lip lock. Before this match, they bring up how on main event, uh, Sherry came out to watch that American Males Nasty Boys match. Um, with where the American males end up winning to face the Blue Bloods tomorrow on Nitro. And during that match, Colonel Parker brought her flowers. What a nice guy. Uh, what wasn't really nice was this match. Holy goodness, this match took forever. So, at the end of the match, they've got the two rings. Harlem Heat, Dirty Dick Slater, Bunkhouse Bucker, and ring number one. At ring number two, Colonel Parker says, you know what? I cannot resist my lady anymore. He gets into the ring. Sherry climbs into the ring. They start kissing each other. The referee's like, ooh, kissing. And then here come the Nasty Boys getting revenge for the main event. They hit Dirty Dick with his boot. And Harlem Heat get mm-hmm. the win, and they're the new World Tag yep. Team Champions, and Colonel Parker could not care less. Nope. That was the funniest thing, bro. Like, the whole the whole match, they're on opposite sides of the ring, so I'm like, wow, they're not really playing this up yet, are they? Then, at the end of the match, they get up in the other ring, start making out. Uh, I love Harlem Heat so much. You know how much I love Harlem Heat. So thrilled that they got this win. Uh, afterwards, Sherry, if you, if you catch her talking at ringside to Harlem Heat, because they're not, they're not happy with her. And the other guys are even less thrilled with, uh, Colonel Parker. She said it was a ploy. If you hear her talking at rings at ringside, you know, so that was something. Um, but you know, afterwards, you know, she leaves with Harlem Heat. Colonel Parker goes up and talks to Gene, mean Gene brother. And he says that he loves Sherry so much. And, you know, he runs this outfit and the Dirty Dick and the Bunkhouse Buck, they got to trust him. They're going to, you know, climb back up and everything. So, but he's so thrilled this whole time. And the tag team, they're just really upset. But Colonel Parker, he's on cloud nine, man. He's <laughs> like, I'm in love. I, you know, he just doesn't care. Colonel Parker, Colonel Parker says his heart is soaring like an eagle and he feels like he's 20 years old. And Gene goes, mm-hmm. huh, I thought he was older than me. <laughs> Uh, the one thing in that tag match, so the, like you said, I feel like watching this tag match, you were waiting for the Sherry Colonel Parker interaction. Yep. But like during that match, Booker T ha- is flying all over the place oh, and lands yeah. on his neck at one point. Like he is mm-hmm. going all off of this tag match, and, and he crashed. had like, yeah, he had maybe the best back heel kick I've ever seen. I mean, it was so smooth. I, I, God, I love Booker T so much, man. So, moving on from the World Tag Team titles, we get a preview for Halloween Havoc. That's going to be October the 29th, live on pay-per-view. That's the next time WCW presents a pay-per-view. And we cut to Mean Gene Okerlund with Arn Anderson after a kind of a highlight package of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. And Arn says, look, I've always called a spade a spade. I'm nervous because I have to trade fists with someone I love, but this is something that has to happen. And again, mm-hmm. I, I I like the placement of both the Arn promo and the Ric Flair promo. They come up with something really, really stupid, and they bring you back to that seriousness very quickly. Uh, so we cut to Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. It's the match you thought you'd never see. Uh, a couple things to note in the crowd before this match. There's a Flair 316 sign, which I was like, huh. That's interesting. Very interesting. I, 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 I didn't even see that. I completely Yeah, there, that. There, there's a, a yellow sign that says Flare 316, and I'm like, huh. Wow. 
that's hmm. something to look at. Yeah, um, I mean, we're 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 about ten months away, eight nine or nine ten months away from Austin three sixteen. So that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing that that they really bring up the importance of this match is all the wrestlers are in the crowd because oh, they yeah. they want to watch this match. Yep, that was such an incredible. Just an incredible scene. The way they built this matchup is absolutely brilliant, man. I'm telling you. So they go 22 minutes, 37 seconds. It's a back-and-forth match. Um, Ric Flair is kind of being the de facto babyface. He's really not cheating, which is something uncharacteristic of Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards the end of the match, Rick has worked over Arn Anderson's leg. He goes to Irish Whip, and the leg gives out. Great Great storytelling there. Like, Arn mm-hmm. can't even run the ropes. And then he tries to, you know, kind of follow up on Arn. Flying Brian comes out of the crowd, gets on the apron, sucker punches Ric Flair. Flair hits Pillman. Pillman kicks him in the back of the head. Arn Anderson DDTs Ric Flair for the win. Mm-hmm. Man, that, oh, man. That I, darn you know, Brian Pillman. That flying Brian, what a goon. And we we know we know the commentators are spectating on what's going on here. Why he would do that? We still we know we don't know. Um, Jr. Let me tell you, man. This match, the hype was you know the match met the hype, bro. This match was so incredible. The greatest thing about this match is, like you said a minute ago, the storytelling. You know, and it and it made me realize that it doesn't matter what year it is. Uh, it doesn't matter what company it is or who's wrestling. A great wrestling match is a great wrestling match. If it's 1995, 1985, 2022, it doesn't matter. The storytelling in this match was the best I've seen. Uh, among the best I've ever seen. Uh, as I said, a great match is a great match. And uh, they put on an absolute classic here at War Games. At so overall. I've, I've watched this match so many times. Uh, I remember we had a local video store that had a wrestling section, and I remember they had a best of fall brawl like VHS from WCW, and this match was on it. And I watched this match so many times. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the little things. Like at one point in the match, Arn goes for the DDT, Rick holds the ropes, and Arn crashes and burns. And just like that reaction, I'm like, ah, he, he's got a counter for Arn. And then later, mm-hmm. Rick goes for the figure four, and Arn blocks the leg. And like, he only yeah. blocks it for a few seconds, but like those few seconds, everybody's freaking out. Like, mm-hmm. what? He can counter the figure four. And it's that stuff which really leads to stuff. A, a great match. Um, and, and it did a good job continuing the story between Rick, Arn, and now Flying Brian. Mm hmm. Absolutely, and it's something that added to this was the amount of championships. You know, they said on commentary that Arn has never been champion, but at this point, at least, Ric Flair had been an 11-time champion. And so then Bobby Brain Heenan says, well, why hasn't Rick ever given Arn shot at the title? You know what I mean? So that adds to the whole uh, story of the match and uh, the storytelling overall amazing. And, and the story will only get more interesting on the coming weeks on Nitro. Uh, we cut from that to our first look as we prepare for War Games. It's a video package with Kevin Sullivan. Uh, this is the weirdest thing because, like, I understand he's trying to be crazy. But his voice inflections just changed so much in this promo. Like the highlight is like, if if you want the elevator pitch, he says Hulk Hogan's the one who created me, and we can't exist in this world together. But there's like two more minutes of this, and it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got like dead roses. He's beating up a Hulk Hogan action figure with a shovel. It, it's it's out of control. Uh, we go. Something. We, we go to the commentators. We finally see the giant running over the bike with a motorcycle. Um, <laughs> Hulk, Hulk Hogan's reactions. He's like freaking out. And he's punching. He's punching the the monster truck and giants just laughing like at every evil villain in every movie you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it, so we've we've got monster trucks and monsters and the Dungeon of Doom and motorcycles. And it's all building up to war games. And we I cut- guess it's true what they say, Jr. Captain Insano shows no mercy. <laughs> oh man, Captain Insano! Uh, <laughs> this whole this whole thing is Insano. We go to a promo with the Hulkamaniacs, nice. 
And Mean Gene is likening this to the invasion of Normandy. Hogan says the entire team drank a couple gallons of Agent Orange and are impervious to pain. Oh, and by the way, everybody's yelling think... again. Oh, yeah. I don't think he knows what Agent Orange does. but uh, I think he thinks it's a tanning know. lotion. He probably does. Like, should go ask my 80-year-old grandpa. He's still dealing with the effects from it from Vietnam. Hulk Hogan to him, has... Hulk. Listen, Hogan has no effects from anything, brother. Too much trading <laughs> vitamins and prayers, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody's yelling again. The only thing you can really make out of this is Savage says Sting set him straight. He trusts Luger. They're all on the same page. They're all decked out in the camo. Uh, Michael Buffer says let the games begin. The cage starts coming down. Fireworks. Mean Gene runs down the rules for war games. If you haven't seen a war games match, two, ga- two guys start the match, one from each team. There's a coin toss. One team gets the two-on-one advantage. And then they're going to alternate all the way through till all eight men are in. The only way to win war games is submission or surrender. So I love the anticipation around war games. Mm -hmm. The crowd is really into the cage coming down. When Sting and Shark both get in to start, they're really into it. The middle of the match kind of dies. Um... To, to, the, to the shock of no one, the Dungeon of Doom wins the coin toss, so they're going to have the two-on-one. Zodiac comes in, and then <laughs> I wrote down in my notes when Zodiac comes in, Ming and Taskmaster keep climbing the cage and keep blocking the camera. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't see anything right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Macho Man comes in to even it up. Kamala comes in three-on-two for the Dungeon of Doom. Luger comes in to make it three-on-three. Three. He goes to attack the Zodiac, who ducks, and he hits Macho in the back of the head, and they start to fight. And just as they start to fight, Sting's trying to break it up. Ming comes in. It's four on three. Hogan comes in to even the odds. Um, miraculously, at some point, Luger and Savage kiss and make up. I didn't see him do that, but whatever. Hogan's throwing powder. Um, <laughs> he's, he's bouncing Zodiac in between the two rings. Yeah. He, he puts a camel clutch on Zodiac, and he gets the win with a submission. Uh he he Hogan made somebody humble in a camel clutch. That's yeah. <laughs> the only joke I got. Thoughts on the actual War Games match? Um as you said, they did absolutely they did great building it up. Um here here's what I'm thinking. I'm sitting here watching this and as as the case with a lot of this, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm assuming that Hulk's team is going to win, but I don't know. The first two of the match, okay, Sting comes in, right? The first man for Dungeon of Doom is Shark. Your biggest guy, and I and I mean biggest, is your first one in the match. I would have kept Shark for last. Like, I understand all the guys are big, but why would you put in Shark first? Does this guy look like he has the most stamina to you? You know what I mean? Like, and that's coming from me, so, you know. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you should have saved him for last. I don't, I don't really know why. They put Shark in first, but either way. Uh, another thing I noticed, which was funny, is that when the second guy goes to come in, there was no coin toss. Like, there was the coin toss, but they didn't show it. And you know if that happened today, JR, it would have been a five-minute segment. Yeah. Of, you know, somebody standing outside the ring, the camera would be really close, showing the showing the coin, and they would flip it, and it would be this whole big segment thing. Nope, don't even show it. They just said, oh, all of a sudden, here comes Zodiac. You know what I mean? So that that was really surprising. And the ending of the match... Uh, I was surprised when it ended. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I thought it was pretty abrupt. So, the the next two war games we get are ninety in ninety six and ninety seven. Uh, ninety six is my favorite war games match. Um, mm-hmm. Ninety seven is okay, but they both have very dramatic and well built finishes. This one just kind of happened. Yep. And it was weird. And so what what happens after the match? And like, because obviously the ma- the ending just kind of happens because they because the stipulation is Hogan gets Taskmaster in the cage for five minutes. Kevin tries to leave. Doug Dillinger and WSW security come out. They get Kevin Sullivan. Sting helps get him back in the cage. They walk D- Kevin right by Ming, who throws like one kick, and it's like, eh, you know what? Whatever. My boss is dead, and just keeps walking. Mm-hmm. Um, Hogan is. Bouncing Kevin Sullivan off the cage like a, like a basketball. People are leaving. Like they're like, all right, whatever. And then here comes the giant, and he picks up Randy Anderson comically, just moves the referee off the mm-hmm. stairs, 
And then he starts, like, very agile, jumping over the top ropes, and then tries to murder Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah, literally. Like, he tried to unscrew his head. Yep. So he attacks Hogan, he unscrews his head, he leaves. Here, finally, here comes Sting and Savage and Luger back. Like, they're terrible friends. Like, my, yeah. your buddy just died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Buffer's on the PA going, hey, we need some medical assistance at ringside. And then Tony signs off in disgust as Bobby the Brain heated and laughs, and Hulk Hogan has been murdered. Yeah, that that was so funny. Like, Bobby the Brain Heenan, we know who he is. But, like, this is being treated as serious stuff. You know, like, they're getting in paramedics and stuff. Michael Buffer gets on the microphone. You never, ever see that happening. And, like, I'm sure if I were a kid watching this, I'm like, oh, my God, my hero is dead. You know? And then you, all you hear is... Bobby the Brain Heenan laughing his butt off as it goes off the air. I'm like, whoa, Bobby. So, so we go from there to Monday Nitro the following night. It's the fallout of Fall Brawl. Uh, we're, we're in Freedom Hall in Johnson City, Tennessee. Yeah, I got family uh, down there. Do Shout you? Shout out. Shout out. Are they watching the show? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Loyal subscribers. If you yes, haven't sir. subscribed it, go ahead and just do it. Make me feel better. Yeah. This is the fault from Fall Brawl. We're trying to figure out if Hulk Hogan's alive, uh, mm. number one. Uh, a couple things to note here. So, technically, Raw wins the rating. Like we said, Raw is on a Thursday, um, but Raw wins this week. Um, Nitro did a 2.4 last week. They dropped to a 1.9, which is weird because there's no Raw. Like, I understand Monday after pay-per-view. Yeah, like, Monday Night Football is on, but... I don't know if people are like, man, Hulk's dead. I don't want to see a funeral. Maybe or like, it was a big matchup. Do you know who played that night? I don't off the top of my head. I should probably have done that research. If you did, that would be weirder, honestly. It was uh, it was the <laughs> Cleveland footballers against the mm. Pittsburgh uh, Dunkers. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I, yeah, I, I, you really know your football. No, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, th- I think Pittsburgh did play. I, I looked it up at one point. I think Pittsburgh did play. I don't know who they played, though. Forget that. Uh, Anyway, uh, show opens, Nitro open, fireworks go off, Bischoff says, Pepe the dog is back by popular demand. Yep, who I was dem- going to say that. I love who that. De- who demanded it back? I did. I did. I did. Whatever. I love uh, Pepe. You, uh, you and Pepe Don't can speak be ill of Pepe. I wonder how he's doing these days. Probably dead. Wow, way to crush my dreams. <laughs> and speaking of crushing, uh, we go, the sirens come in the, you got to hear it through the arena, an ambulance mm-hmm. back to the arena, me and Gene Oakland's back there. And the Giant and Kevin Sullivan come out of the ambulance. Giant says, Hogan is not the one true immortal. He is. And then Mean Gene says, Giant, if your father knew you were associated with the lights of Kevin Sullivan, he'd be ashamed. And Giant says, no, if he was still alive, he'd be right by my side. Mm-hmm. Can, you imagine, can you imagine yep. Andre the Giant in the Dungeon of Doom? Man, oh, man. <laughs> it would have been so wild. It would have been so Jeez. weird. I want Andre, so, as the, yep. I want Andre as the master. Like, uh-huh. with a throw next to the master, and they're yep. just both yelling at each other. All right, so we, we kick it off. Um, our first match on Nitro tonight, the American Males and the Blue yep. Bloods. Mar- American Males come out with the uh, Here we great... Go. It's a great theme song, so you should all just listen to you it. say so. American Males, American Males, American Males, American Males, American Males, American Males, American Males. How dare you besmirch the American Males theme? Okay, no besmirching. See what I did there? Because uh, yeah. the Blue Bloods are coming out. Yeah. Uh, so the Blue Blood music hits, and uh, here comes Earl Robert Eaton. And when I mean coming out, I mean he's thrown out of the entranceway. Uh, the Blue Bloods are being attacked by Harlem Heat. Just out of nowhere. Booker, they beat up Earl Robert Eaton. You never see Lord Steven Regal. Mm-hmm. And then... Booker T grabs the mic and says, the Blue Bloods shouldn't be here in the first place. We're going to turn up the heat on Nitro. Hey, we're going to give you guys a tag team title shot. And I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, I like the fact that on commentary, Nitro or Mongo's like, I wouldn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. y'all wrestled a big match last night. Uh, yep. Like, you're kind of risking these belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the match is very Harlem Heat heavy. They are all oh, yeah. over the American males. They go four minutes and 40 seconds, but at the end of the match... Sherry gets on the apron. She's going to hit Buff Bagwell or Marcus Alexander Bagwell, mm-hmm. uh, who's being held by Booker T. But Colonel Parker comes down looking for some loving, and Sherry just falls into the arms of the Colonel. They start yep. making out again. Bagwell counters a slam crossbody. We've got new World Tag Team Champions. Let me tell you, man, I, 
I was flabbergasted. Okay, I was taken aback. Uh, I love Harlem Heat. I made no secret of it. They're my favorite tag team from WCW. Um, I was shocked. I was so happy when they won the night before. I had no idea what was going to happen. I'm like, okay, they're facing the American males. Like, those guys are good. But I did not expect them to win that match. So was, I was freaking shocked. What was funny, a little peek behind the curtain. I remember you were watching Fall Brawl and you texted me. And you're like, yeah, my boy's Harlem Heat of the champ. And I'm sitting with my phone in my hand laughing, knowing what's about to happen. The yeah, next and I said, you. well, I'm glad Harlem Heat got a whole day with the titles. <laughs> The match itself, like, there was a couple of big moments. Like, Booker T is all over the place again. He hits the big, like, cute, the, the axe kick. Doesn't go for a pin. Like, that's like, that's the weird thing in a lot of these old matches. Moves that would become synonymous with wrestlers are just, like, transitional moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did like that um, at one point Booker T hits a, a wheel kick and Eric Bischoff loses his crap. He's like, that was amazing! Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing to note on commentary, especially because Eric Bischoff was so like, I'm going to talk about the WWE all show last week in the front row, the, or like the third row, there's a big, we won it raw sign mm-hmm. and nobody mentions it. Oh yeah. Like I was expecting a backhand comment at that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, we've got our first title change of the Monday Night Wars. The American Males are the World Tag Team Champions. We go to commercial break, and we come back. We're being hypnotized by the Macho Man. We're getting very, very sleepy, huh? Now step out of it! It's them an old baby spicy Slim Jim, oh yeah! yeah! Time to snap into a Slim Jim. So then here we go to a Ric Flair interview. And we're going to kind of break the rules and talk about future stuff in this promo solely because of what Ric Flair is wearing. That butterfly robe, the black robe he's wearing, is – I remember that robe more than any other robe. That's the robe he wore at the Rumble in 92. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember as a kid they had a Ric Flair action figure, and this thing came with that robe. Like that's the Ric Flair robe I know. Yep. This show is the last time Ric Flair knows where this robe is for 25 years. Really? He leaves it in a hotel room in Johnson City. He can't find it. And when they're doing WWE treasures, they look oh. they look for this robe. Really? And what, so how much do you think, because they end up finding it and end up buying wow. it. How much, do, how much do you think they pay to get this robe? Who are they buying it from? Uh, it is a, it is an anonymous seller. You don't you never meet the seller. You mean anonymous thief? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say. Well, since you're asking me, I feel like it's gonna be really big. I'd say a hundred thousand. No more. A million? <laughs> no, God, no. So it's a it's a total value of a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. The Ric Flair jungle robe. It's a green robe with yellow fray and a lion, which mm-hmm. is valued at fifty thousand dollars. Ric Flair boots from one of the Starcades, which is $15,000. And Conrad Thompson throws in $60,000 in cash. If you watch the episode, like, the, the seller is just jacking up the price just to, to mess with them because he can. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so eventually they get the road back. But, like, I thought it was interesting. Like, this is a weird piece of history that not a lot of people talk about. Oh, yeah. So last, I, I had no idea. Yeah, so last time you set rope for 25 years. Wow, that's wild. Uh, so Rick's on the microphone, and he talks about how Arn Anderson broke the code. He brought an outsider into the forbidden land. What mm-hmm. a line that, like, that line has so much more weight in today's wrestling culture because of all the forbidden doors and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's true. I got but another like, favorite line that I'll tell you in a second. All right, I got, I, I'll, I'll, go ahead. What's your favorite line? Uh, well... Ric Flair brings up the fact that Flying Brian used to play for the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Mm-hmm. So, he says, Brian, I'm going to chop you so hard that Boomer Esiason will feel it in Long Island. Priceless. Especially, bro, priceless line. I love that. Rick's fired up in this promo. Oh, he yeah. looks dead down the lens and says, Right here in Johnson City, Tennessee. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kick your ass, brother. But, like, this promo is such a good Ric Flair promo. Mm -hmm. Like, you believe everything he's saying. Oh, yeah. It's personal, man. 
Uh, we cut to Eric Bischoff previewing Saturday night. Sting is scheduled to face Lord Steven Regal if he shows up. Uh, Craig Pittman and Cobra, the fall brawl rematch. We're not covering that. Uh, we'll have an interview with Dusty Rhodes, and we're supposed to get an update on Hulk Hogan. Uh, we'll just pick it up with whatever happened on Saturday or on Monday Nitro the next week. Uh, but I guess Hulk's not dead. So if you're watching Nitro to hear from Hogan, you got to watch Saturday night. Yep. We go to Mr. Wonderful, don't call me Paul Orndorff, against Johnny B. Bad. What a beautiful theme again. WCW cranking out banger after banger after banger with themes. Oh, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's iconic wonderful. now, but these guys on commentary, all three of them rag on this thing. Literally, the even after the uh, entrances are over, they are ragging on this theme. They hate it so much. That was so funny. The match goes 640. Uh, Mr. Wonderful counters the sunset flip, gets the win on Johnny B. Bad. Couple things to note in this match. First and foremost, Mr. Wonderful is way more focused and aggressive in this match to the point where he has no fear and gets right in Nick Patrick's face and says, I'm not taking any of your crap, Nick. And they are nose to nose, touching noses, thought they were going to kiss. Yep. They didn't. Um, the other thing, on the outside, Mr. Wonderful's got his mirror looking at himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand what they were trying. Well, yeah, Johnny comes at him, and I think he was supposed to kick Paul in the head. Paul was supposed to see it through his mirror. Johnny misses, and Paul still goes down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, that happened. Mm-hmm. And, like, Bischoff has no way to cover it on commentary. Yeah. Uh, eventually, like, Johnny makes up for the big slingshot plancha. The match was kind of there. I thought it was weird that Johnny B. Badge, the number one contender for the U.S. title, and he's losing to Mr. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're trying to serve too many masters with this match. Like, put right, Orndorff yeah. with, with somebody else. Yep. They wanted to have their cake and eat it, too. You feel me? Uh, well, Mr. Wonderful is not had cake. Look at how ripped he is. True. He's, missed, he's wonderful. True. What was actually kind of wonderful, too is we cut to a highlight from the set of Baywatch. <laughs> nice segue. Well, so the reason I say it's wonderful, A, it's completely ridiculous, this, this scene. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure this was filmed in, like, July when they were doing the, the Bash at the Beach and the Baywatch stuff. So if they were, hmm. that means they had this story planned out for months. Because yeah. what happens is Macho Man Randy Savage is bench pressing. Kevin Sullivan comes out, shoves the bar on Savage's throat, and tries to choke him. And then... Rick Flair makes the save for Randy Savage. And Kevin Sullivan goes, not you. And Flair goes, I'm walking my own course now. When this would have been, if, if they actually did this when they were filming Baywatch and WCW, this would have been Bash at the Beach, 95, and Flair is feuding with Savage. So they would have had to have this well planned out. Oh, yeah. Also, Savage is jacked. I mean, he mm-hmm. is like... They've got him benching like 275 for reps. Yeah. So, the macho man on the beach, no shoes, just benching it out in front of the Baywatch babes. Don't tell Elizabeth! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of the macho man, Mean Gene brings out the macho man Randy Savage for an interview. I thought this was a really good interview. Mm-hmm. Um so it starts out, he goes, hey, what's the story of Ric Flair? And Savage goes, thanks, but no thanks. See you in the next lifetime. See you mm-hmm. wouldn't want to be. You don't even care. Like, yep. yeah, that, was a lot, that was a lot of ways to say no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, he asks about Kevin Sullivan. Savage says he'll take the Taskmaster to destroy him. Ask about war games. And he says, Hulk Hogan, hope you're looking through the video scope. Constructive criticism. You're a terrible judge of character, brother. Mm-hmm. You're really, really, really bad. Three reallys. Like, that's how bad Hogan is. Yep. Um, he says Luger cheap shot at him. Uh, and, and Mean Gene goes, the people are saying it was an accident. And Macho goes, H- who'd you hear from? Like, Sting and Jimmy Hart? Like, of course they're going to say that. Yeah. You're either with me or against me, which brings out Lex Luger, who is dressed like Fabio from, like, all those romance novels. Mm, yep. <laughs> and Savage is, like, saying Sting, Luger, and Hart, or Sting, Luger, and Jimmy Hart are going to join the Dungeon of Doom. So they're infighting. And I don't like Luger trips over his words in this, but he makes a really good point. He goes, Mach, are you jealous? Like, you also want to be the world champion. You, so mm-hmm. you say, I have a personal agenda. So do you. At least I'm straight up with mine. And yep. Savage has no choice but to agree with him, which yeah. kills the whole thing. <laughs> he said, You're right. I do have championship aspirations. Oh, yeah. 
But like, yeah, Luger goes, I'm here to play with the big boys. He goes, there's no bigger boy than the macho man. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the, like, Savage is ready to fight. Mean Gene's freaking out. And we just cut to a commercial. Yeah. Like, mid of this. Like, and then when we come back, they've disappeared. Mm-hmm. They're just gone. I was like, uh, okay. Thoughts on the promo as we start to kind of build towards Savage and Luger? Uh, well, it's, it's a good build. I'll say that much. Uh, you know, these, the championship aspirations of both these guys is what makes it the most interesting thing. So we go to a commercial break, come back at a recap of Hulk Hogan getting his motorcycle run over again. Uh, and then it's made event time. It's Ric Flair flying Brian. They go five twenty four. Um, I liked how at the finish, Ric Flair picks up Brian Pillman for a back suplex. He has the leg held, so he suplexes him, transitions right to the figure four for the win. Physical match. Yeah, it is. Like, and Brian, when he gets put in the figure four, taps immediately. He taps immediately, but like every time Flair chopped Pillman, Pillman mm-hmm. chopped him right back. Like that oh, yeah. physical match. And during it, you know, what we were talking about earlier with Brian kind of maybe leaning in towards more of a heel role he uses the he put his feet on the ropes for a pin attempt earlier on in the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bri- Brian is kind of slowly transitioning, and, and I I like that you don't get a full explanation from Brian Pillman just yet. Um, yeah, I like the mystery of it. So Flair gets the mic and he's saying, "All right, Arn, like if not tonight, next week on Nitro, we don't get to see the fight, but you've got a reason to come back." Um, we go to a commercial, and then we get, go back to the commentary desk, and we get the rundown for next week on Nitro. Uh, it's going to be the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan against the Macho Man Randy Savage. Colonel Parker's ma- uh, monster Kurosawa is going to be in action. Lex Luger takes on the man called Ming. And in the main event of all main events, the greatest match in professional wrestling, Das Wonder Kid Alex Wright against the Disco Inferno. Put your dancing shoes on, Wade. Yes, sir. Oh, they are stay, stay on, my friend. Let me tell you. <laughs> what a match that's going to be. Uh, but but really a, a good lineup for next week on Nitro. Oh, yeah. I'm psyched. All right. So we're going to go from Monday Nitro well, to... Well, let's not oh, forget something, okay. my friend. Uh-oh. Okay, you're getting ahead of yourself, brother. Brother, what I miss, brother, what I miss, brother. brother. Bobby the Brain Heenan is at it again, my friend. So Eric Bischoff is talking, running down the stuff. Bobby the Brain Heenan is like, he looks like this. He's like, well, I just realized people who are listening can't hear, can't see me. But well, oh well, that's fine. He's pointing to his earpiece and he's got this look on his face. He's like, something's going on in the back. And then Eric Bischoff says, oh yeah, there is something going on in the back. And then the show is just like over. Yeah. I think, uh, especially what's going like, on in the back, especially early what's going in, these on nit- in, the back? <laughs> in these early nitros. I think they really kind of lead on that crutch of like, oh, we're, we've, we've got a chaotic show. I like how later in nitros that they, they just would end mid show in a brawl. And we'll get there. where like, you like a brawl starts and you mm-hmm. see it, but like, these are just like, we're going to say it's chaotic. You're never going to see it. And hopefully you come back to see what we were, what we were, talking about now are they gonna say that like at the beginning of the next nitro or saturday night or what are we gonna see what happens i don't believe anything actually does happen oh my I, god i don't i don't think it leads to anything eric you're killing me here <laughs> like if anything it, it would have to be rick and arn and i don't remember a like, unless i don't remember a backstage brawl between rick and arn but mm. like that would be the only thing i could think of because hogan's not there the Dungeon of Doom wouldn't like, wouldn't just go after Sting and Savage randomly. I, I, I don't know. We'll have to find out next week. Tune into Nitro next week. Uh, <laughs> tune into the Monday Night Warfare podcast next Monday. Cheap plugs. Yes, sir. Uh, we, speaking of the war, the other side of the war, Monday Night Raw, September 21st, 1995. It is the unannounced special Thursday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are still live from the Canton Civic Center in Dayton, Ohio. These matches were taped August the 28th. It's still Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler on commentary in front of their terrible green screen. Raw gets a 2.7 rating. It's up from a 2.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if part of that is the change in night or or what but you'd think of the change in night they'd be lower yeah but there's, a, there's not a Monday night football game and you gotta think yeah, in 90, true, but still but in 95 there aren't as many tv sh- like tv channels so yeah. y- if you're flipping true, true, you, you know mm-hmm. like now we have we have so many channels i don't even uh, don't even watch half the crap 75 percent of the crap 
Yep, 95% of the crap. That's probably true, actually. Uh, we get the Raw opening it with a recap from last week. Dean, uh, Basically, Dean Douglas interfering in Razor and Bulldog match. Kid coming out, which set up our, our main event opening match. Uh, we get the Raw intro this time with no lyrics. Vince McMahon introduces us to a special Thursday Night Raw. We get a replay of the 1-2-3 Kid beating Razor Ramon in 1993. That's the big upset mm-hmm. on Raw. And Jerry Lawler says Dean Douglas is in his mobile classroom. I'm going to die. I knew you would have something to say about that. <laughs> Ugh, I hate the classroom. It's so bad. Uh, we kick it off with a one, two, three kid, Razor Ramon. They go seven minutes and eight seconds. Kid is super aggressive in this match. Yeah. Um, the So the end of the match comes when Razor collides into the kid. They hit Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner tumbles. And then Dean Douglas comes out of the ring again. Big splash off the top on Razor. The 1-2-3 kid slides in and gets the pinfall win. Thoughts on the opening match? Uh, well, as you said, uh, the kid was very uh, aggressive, especially early on. But then Ra- Razor took over pretty quickly. Um, one th- at one point in the match, uh, the kid puts on a sleeper on Razor. And it is the smoothest application of a sleeper I have ever seen. You, you remember? You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? So the smoothest I, application of a sleeper ever. I wanted to bring up that sleeper hold for a different reason. Um, mm-hmm. Last week on the it's a raw taped again. They can kind of they can kind of pick and choose when they edit the showdown. Last week on Raw, when it was Bulldog and, and Razor, they cut like in the middle of action. This episode of Raw, they cut to commercial when he has the sleeper on, and we come back from commercial, we're still in the sleeper. So you didn't miss anything in that match. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I like that. Yeah, well, you like it now, but if you were in the audience at the time, you might not have. Well, you got to think, if you're in the audience, there's no he didn't actually hold that for two minutes. You can cut that. It could be a three-second cutout because it's taped. That's true. So Very true. I'm dumb. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway... Uh, back to the match in general, the end of the match was so weird to me. Not weird, but just kind of, I don't know what's going on. Like, Dean Douglas, like, he's not a scrub, okay. But are you going to sit there and tell me that he puts a money shot, a splash, onto Razor, and he's going to lay in the ring for half an hour? Like, he could you could have counted to 100. He's he's down on the mat for so long, because Kid is outside outside of the ring. The ref is knocked out. The ref comes to... After Kid gets back in the ring and covers him, I'm thinking Razor's definitely kicking out here. He's definitely kicking out. Nope, he gets pinned. One, two, three. He was down for so long. He's going to have the the most powerful splash in history for that. Well, you, all, you also forget that Razor was in a ladder match one month ago and his back is still beat up. And that was... <laughs> okay. Listen. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, after the match, we go to the report card. Dean Douglas is running to the back, changing into his robe. Uh, the one, two, three kid gets a grade a D for dumb because he thinks he beat he beat Razor when Dean did it. That that mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, Razor gets a grade of E for elevate because Razor's trying to do that when he faces Dean. Now we're stretching. Uh, Dean gets one. a Dean gets an A. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, "I get an A for conclusion of my excellent performance." Bro, it doesn't start with an A. What are you talking about? He's the dean. Uh, and then In Your House gets a grade of N. If you get it's a no-brainer who will win, look at the acronym. He's spelled Dean. Uh, <laughs> I hate this gimmick so much. <laughs> Give me the dentist. Oh, God. I really hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Uh, we go to a tag team match, Million Dollar Corporations, Kama and Tatanka. With Ted DiBiase against Savio Vega, Bob Holly. The match goes 5 minutes and 47 seconds. Uh... Kama almost kills Bob Holly with a yeah. power slam right on his head, and the Million Dollar Corporation win. That match was there. That's exactly what I was going to say. It was uh, not exciting in the least. The only thing that was exciting is Sparkplug Holly almost getting murdered because he got because he you know jumped into a crossbody. Kama takes him and flips him over, reverses it, and he drops him right on his head. They're building towards Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Corporation, where it's Sid against Henry Godwin at in your house because mm-hmm. Godwin slopped Sid or DiBiase. So, like, why not make it a six man tag or like switch out comma for Sid? And I, I, the, 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 nothing was built towards the match. This match was just there. Uh, we get a Razor yep. Ramon interview. Razor says, "Hey, Dean, forget about your Ivy League education. It can't save you. I'm going to carve you up." 
pretty basic promo, but it was still good. Mm-hmm. We get a commercial. We go back. It's a commercial for WrestleMania, the special on September the 30th. They're going to replay LT versus Bam Bam Bigelow and Diesel versus Sean from WrestleMania 11. It's weird you would do this like the day before they're going to, or I guess this would be the day after they're challenging for the World Tag Team titles together. Mm-hmm. Jean-Pierre Lafitte against Brian Walsh. Uh, JPL wins with Le Cannonball in 318. Um, yeah, he's got Bret Hart's jacket. Bret Hart calls during the match on a phone and says, <laughs> I didn't know pirates even existed still. Yeah. And they, don't forget, he was on the set of Lonesome Dove. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's a movie. I never saw it. Neither have I, but at least I knew, you know. Uh, let me tell you something. I love that Cannonball, man. The Le Cannonball. Cannonball, that's a great move. I think being a bigger dude, it's got a lot of impact. And that's about all the nice things we could say about that match. Brian Walsh was a body who was there. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny when they when somebody calls in on the phone to, like when they're on a commentary for the match. Like if you're going to play it throughout the entire arena for, to talk to people or something, well, maybe that would be weird. I don't know. But it's just so weird. And they did that on AEW recently too. I'm like... I don't know. It's just a weird thing. It's a weird thing to get somebody in, like, involved in this. I, I, th- this this whole Bret Hart storyline where, like, John pierre stole the jacket that Helen made. I, yeah. They say he stole it a month ago on Superstars. They hadn't mentioned it till like, right now. So, mm-hmm. I, we, we had no idea. Uh, we go to a commercial. We come back. Tony Chimmel is helping reinforce the ring uh, for the main event tag match. Mind you, he is just tightening a rope. So I was going to say that. I wrote it down. <laughs> they're saying we got to reinforce the ring for the massive humanity that's coming in here like you got yokozuna obviously huge it's like big guys uh do you guys not know that every year you do a royal rumble in which maybe 30 guys can be in the ring at one time and you're reinforcing the ring for uh a guy that's you know 500 and 400 like do, you, do do people really believe that this is happening? And as you said, Tony, I didn't even realize that was Tony Chimmel. He's he's just taking that little wrench and just like wrenching it. I'm like, what is going on? Do people believe that's what's happening here? Well, they, they have a guy underneath the ring putting in some sort of reinforcement. Um, okay, well, I don't think they mentioned that, but the, you only saw you it. only saw his legs. Um, oh, okay, so, I missed it. Okay, yeah, it, it was like a half second. But they mm-hmm. reinforced the, the ring. Owen Hart and Yoko Zero, the World Tag Team Champions, with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji against Men on a Mission. That's King Mabel and Sir Mo. Um, this match was kind of weird because Owen and Yoko were basically wrestling as the baby faces for mm-hmm. most of that match. Yep. Owen is trying to carry the load. He and Mo are really having a singles match, basically. But when they tag in Yoko and Mabel, everybody's like, cool, Godzilla and King Kong. Yes, sir. Uh, at the end, Owen drop toe holds Mo Yoko with a giant leg drop. That's such Great a move. basic but believable finisher. Like yep. I love that. It's so Absolutely basic, too. but I don't want Yoko Yokozuna to drop that freaking leg on me. I tell you what. Yeah, uh, 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 forgettable tag match. Besides, I mean, it wasn't a bad sure. tag match. Um, but no, like the end, yeah. the, the last couple minutes were good. Mm-hmm. It just it just took a minute to get there. Uh, let me tell you something about the beginning of this match. We talked before about King Mabel being carried in by those guys on that on that caravan thing. This time, they showed a close up of the guys' faces. Like these are big muscular guys, and they're like, mm, "Oh, they're so heavy and stuff." And that was so funny to me. I'm like, even they know. Like this dude, and they build him at five hundred and sixty-eight pounds. Yeah, and Yoko's like, bigger than really, that. Yeah, I don't know if he really weighed that much, but it was so funny how they they showed the guys' faces carrying that thing, and like they knew. And plus, if you look, the thing was a little lopsided actually when they were carrying it out, and the the crowd is right there. So I'm thinking, bro, if he falls into the crowd, people will die. <laughs> Ha! It was such a tombstone squashed by King Mabel. <laughs> what a way to go, man. <laughs> uh, we go to an interview. It's pre-taped with Diesel and Sean. They really don't say anything of importance. Uh, yeah. Diesel says, I'm coming home, and I'm bringing my best friend. And Sean goes, hey, it's me. Uh, we go to commercial. We come back. A couple things to note. Vince McMahon is interviewing Owen Hart, Yokozuna, Jim Cornette. Jerry Lawler is talking all over this again. But Jim Cornette does a really good job of putting over the importance of this tag match. Um, mm-hmm. He said it's a history-making tag match. He explains the rules again. And uh, he says, he, he brings up the fact that, like, 
what happened last time Diesel and Sean were partners? They broke up. He asked Diesel and Sean, are you going to protect your title or protect your friend? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he, he plays up. Can you trust them? Um, I liked the fact that he said that Diesel and Sean may be better singles wrestlers, but Owen and Yoko are a better team. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he really gave a, a, a credible, like, he made him a threat. He made the, yeah. the tag champ a threat. Oh, yeah. Uh, we go to commercial. We come back for the royal prediction in front of a royally bad green screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawler predicts that Yokozuna is going to be the three-time WWF champion pinning Diesel in your house. And Vince sent it to a preview of our main event on Raw next week. The main event next week will be the British Bulldog one-on-one with The Undertaker. Man, oh man, what a match. So, Wade, we finished a week of war. What's your show of the week? Um, Bruh. Show of the week, the best show of the week, the best, the most fun, everything. It's a no-brainer that it's Fall Brawl, man. You know, uh, just from beginning to end, well, maybe not beginning to end completely, but uh, overall, just great show. So great. Yeah, Fall Brawl. With two absolute bangers on that match card. Yeah, Fall Brawl definitely wins my match, or my show of the week. Um, Raw versus Nitro, though. Who wins the war? Uh, well, obviously we've been over the ratings, but that doesn't matter. I don't care about that. Nitro, I think, was better. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Nitro is the better show this week, which puts it at two nothing for both of us. Nitro versus Raw, even though they have not won a ratings yet, so that's mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, but I, I do agree. I think they had the better show. Uh, match of the week. I'm gonna go Arn Anderson, Ric Flair from Fall Brawl. I, I think it was a almost perfect match. Uh, and it also did it also did more to hook me in for Nitro the next night. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I agree completely. My favorite match of the week, absolutely. As I said before, no-brainer. This match is not only the best match we saw this week, it's the best match we've seen so far these first three weeks, and it might be one of the best matches we watch at all over the next six years. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long time, uh, but yeah, I, I would agree that was that's probably the best match we've seen so far. Uh, oh, what's yeah. your mo- what's your moment of the week, Bruh, I don't I don't really know what to say. If we're talking about purely moments, there's not a lot that really stands out. Um, I I'm gonna pick the match between Arn and Rick as a moment because it's so memorable. Everything they did inside and outside of the ring. The promos that they both gave leading up to it. These guys are brothers. And, you know, they're talking about, I think at one point somebody, one of the commentators, it might have been Tony, said, this is the match we thought we'd never see. I mean, they really built it up so incredibly well. And seeing the wrestlers, as we talked about earlier in the crowd, like the wrestlers of the crowd are coming in to look and watch this match. Uh, it was the most memorable thing we've seen this week. And uh, the overall, it's a moment. It's not just a match. It's a moment. Yeah, 100%. That, that, that's a great moment. It was on my list, but I'm going for a pure entertainment value. Giant running over the Harley oh. was hilarious. Nice, yeah. Just Hogan's reactions to it mm-hmm. and Giant being like the super over-the-top evil villain. Plus, we got freaking monster trucks and wrestling now. Yes, sir. Um. But so it's a it's a clean sweep for WCW this week. We'll see mm-hmm. if the WWF can answer next week on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. Four shows, a loaded lineup of action. Wade, uh, we kick it off in your house. Three September the twenty fourth, nineteen ninety five. Let's run down the card. It's Savio Vega, Waylon Mercy, one on one. Sid against Henry O'Godwin. The British Bulldog against Bam Bam Bigelow, Dean Douglas, Razor Ramon, Bret Hart, and Jean-Pierre Lafitte. And the triple header, winner takes all, Diesel and Sean against Owen and Yoko. Any of those matches you're looking forward to? Oh, the triple threat. Not the triple threat. The triple, what is it called? Triple header. (laughs) The triple header is such a great match concept. I'm psyched about that match. And to be honest, that's pretty much it. (laughs) You're not looking forward to uh, Savio Vega and Waylon Mercy? No. (laughs) Uh, then we're going to kick it to the Monday Night War. Both shows back on Monday. That's September the 25th, 1995. On Nitro, Kurosawa in action. Alex Wright and in Disco Inferno. Kevin Sullivan, Randy Savage. Ming versus Lex Luger. 
on Monday Night Raw. It's the fall from In Your House 3 and The Undertaker against British Bulldog. On paper, are you looking forward to Nitro or Raw? Uh, Nitro. Nitro? Yeah. I, Although, I'm looking forward to The Undertaker match, though. Yeah, I think because of... Uh, Throwing out my bias for Alex Wright and Disco Inferno, I think there's two big matches that actually make storyline sense with the Dungeon of Doom against the Hulkamaniacs mm-hmm. um, on the show. And I don't see a lot of stuff. You will obviously see the winner takes all triple header winners on, mm-hmm. on Raw, but I don't think there's a lot. To sink, to sink your teeth into, right? Uh, because in your house is such a weird card. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we're gonna watch is we're gonna go back to the land of extreme next week. ECW Hardcore TV, September the twenty sixth, nineteen ninety five. I picked this episode for a couple reasons. There's a certain promo on this show that you're gonna like, mm-hmm. um, and there's two matches I'm really looking forward to. Um, Six man tag team match: the sexiest man alive, Jason Knight. Tease with the Eliminators, John Cronus and, P- and Perry Saturn, to take on Taz and the Steiner Brothers. Woo-wee. And the, Man, main ev- the main event, this will be the last match we watch all week, Rey Mysterio Jr. against Psychosis. Man, You're oh, welcome. Man. Oh, You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> I haven't seen this. I think I remember watching them wrestle in WCW, but this is going to be great, dude. I'm psyched. I'm more looking so, forward to this than I am the other shows, honestly. <laughs> You're looking more to ECW? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um, this is the good part about doing ECW sporadically is this is going to be the tape trader. You know, Someone tells you, hey, man, Rey Mysterio is on this week on ECW. Check it out. And that's the episode you seek out. So we're seeking out ECW. We're looking at the debut of Rey Mysterio Jr. in Psychosis. It's a loaded line of, lineup of action. We thank you for joining. And this is still join on like, follow, subscribe, click the bells, do the ratings, all the things you got to do, audio or video form for the podcast, and just interact. If you, if, if there's a show you liked more than others, let us know. If we were wrong or something, please tell us. Especially Wade, he was wrong. <laughs> but we thank you for joining us on the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. I'm going to get out of here before Wade sends me back to the Dungeon of Doom. We'll see you next week. I'm going to thrash you, brother. <laughs>